if you fast forward, uh, you know, 10 years plus from now, by 2030, you know, you think Gen Z, and really, you know, they are going to form and the majority of our workforce, and they are going to want to see that leaders are invested in causes that really matter to them. Yeah. You know, it's going to be really, really important for them to see that, you know, ethical considerations that are important to them are um, important to the companies they work for. The younger generation today, it's about being happy and about being heard and about feeling that they have an impact and an influence on change. So I think whilst, as you said, whilst the digital workplace and technology helps map the future, I think what it actually does is facilitate change. And I think that's, you know, the rapid pace of facilitating change is what is different today. Whereas, you know, before we had real technology, it used to take time. So I think from our report, when we were looking at the, the physical workplace, you know, how technology impacts that, you know, the emotional workplace, I found that really interesting that the new generation coming through today will be doing jobs that don't even exist today. And that the technology is not there to map the future, but is there to facilitate the future and to enable them to do what they need to do. So before we get into today's episode which is a really interesting interview conversation with two senior people at Unilee um, about their future of the workplace 2030 report and it was a really a kind of chance to compare and contrast a report that DWG did a couple of years ago looking at the Digital Workplace 2030. And there have been quite a few reports since then around, you know, what's life going to be like in 2030 and how does it affect work. And to be honest, the first time I saw one that really kind of grabbed my attention was this Unilee report, which you can download um, all in the show notes future of the workplace 2030 and it's the kind of bits where there are some correlations between what they were thinking what dwg was thinking that really kind of engendered a a pretty inspiring and um quite wide-reaching conversation with joe and sam and myself um so before we get into that here's a few um, little notes of things that have been kind of going around my head and that I've been noticing um, in the last week or so. This is what I'm kind of loosely calling the at Paul Miller says section. Um, so one thing that has been cropping up, which I think is is an interesting trend, and that is when you're thinking about the the future workplace one of the things that's been brought to my attention is how influential the software vendors across the whole enterprise space are in essentially designing the future of work. We sort of think, to some, to some extent, organisations like Kissflow, Unilee, Akumina, Avenard, um even Microsoft, are kind of responding to what we in work are requesting of them. And obviously that is happening. But really 
what we're also seeing is that through the innovation and through the depth and breadth of this technology software enterprise field, it's also affecting what this workplace looks like and therefore affecting how we all work and where we work. So, you know, take an example. I think the innovations that Workplace by Facebook have made in bringing the Facebook technology to the world of work has really been revolutionising the types of services that people get in the mobile environment. That's then stimulated other people like Microsoft Teams to upgrade and improve what they're doing. Um, And it has changed the way people work because if you're in a frontline environment, if you're in a distribution role, the kind of access to tools, technologies, services that you can have and the way that it can affect the shape of your day changes through this technology. And I think that's then really a kind of fascinating continuum because it then affects the lives of people who are in work. It affects their relationships. It affects how much time they can spend with their their families, the design of their week. And I think this kind of impact uh, and story of impact is 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 really um, really interesting. So, extra little note this time to say that this particular episode was recorded in January 2020, um, before COVID nineteen had become what it has become, certainly in Europe and North America. Um, consequently, the three of us were in a sort of um, conversation that wasn't dealing with the reality that was going to come to affect us all because how could we? Um, I think with that um, note, what I would say is that it's really interesting just to listen to this with a mindset of what is coming certainly into the world of work and the way that technology's play, played such an absolutely pivotal role um, in helping us cope with the coronavirus um, crisis emergency. Now for the episode. I'm delighted to be joined today by Joe Skilton. Joe is the Chief Commercial Officer for Unily and also by her colleague Sam Hassani. Sam is the Chief Technology Officer um, for Unily. Great to have both of you on the programme today. Um, before we get into future of the workplace 2030, could um, perhaps Joe, could you just describe for listeners uh, what Unily is and what Unily does? Um, so, so I guess, you know, in terms of, I'm Chief Commercial Officer for Unily, so Sam and I, Sam and CTO work very closely together. So between us, we look after the um, technical delivery of the product, which is obviously Sam's arena, um, and then the customer journey from marketing through to pre-sales, sales and customer retention, which is mine. So Sam will talk a bit more about the product and what we actually do. Absolutely. So Unily is about, um, you know, uniting large organizations. That's uh, that kind of strap line. So it's really about um, bringing employees within an organization together 
and delivering an experience whereby they can access the digital assets, the information, the applications that they use on a day-to-day basis. Um, so, you know, we, the organizations we work with, so we work with a number of different organizations um, in the kind of uh, mid-to-enterprise space, ranging in size from, you know, 500 users right up to 300,000 users or employees rather, and it's all about, um, you know, employees starting and finishing their day and, and giving employees that single pane of glass whereby they can, um, you know, access the information, access the tools and the knowledge they need to be successful and productive in their day-to-day productive working um, life. Right. Yeah. So, I guess, so I guess in a nutshell, Unily is perceived to be you know, uniting a workforce and, and the system with collaboration. Great. Thank you. That's that's useful to know just for people who are not familiar, helps them understand um, what you do. Um, so what kind of caught my eye was that um, it's about two years ago, DWG issued a report called Digital Workplace 2030. And it was a fascinating exercise that we went through trying to work out um, at that time, 12 years out, what was going to be happening in the world of work in 2030. Then I saw um, more recently the future of the workplace 2030 plus um, the re- report that you issued last year and it i i loved what you put into it the whole areas that you went through and i thought god this could be a fascinating conversation you know both of us have been kind of if you like looking in to the the future of work and what that's going to mean um so perhaps you could start off um by just letting me know why did you want to look at the workplace 2030 what what sort of motivated you to to pick up this theme us you know our customers are at the heart of everything we do and you know when we're talking to them about their um, digital workplaces today there's obviously a lot of conversation goes into what the preferences are and what the aspirations are for tomorrow as well Um, so for us it was really important that we really did a bit of a deep dive into what does tomorrow look like and what are the challenges that will present and therefore what do we need to do as a platform what features and functionality would we need to be able to you know, deliver against the workforce of tomorrow. So we started debating that at sort of board level and then decided what we needed to do is go and talk to some experts and really understand what tomorrow looks like. And that's when we brought in uh, Kaiser Global to help us do that. In addition to that, from a kind of technological perspective, you know, where we're living in an era of, you know, rapid change. Um, So from, you know, the conversations that we're having with customers, it's really about looking ahead and um, you know there's a lot of pertinent technologies be it AI machine learning etc but the reality is that you know the future of of these organizations is is really being mapped out today so we thought it'd be really useful to kind of work with some of the key partners that um, that Joe mentioned that that contributed to our report Um, you know we had a number of our customers such as Shell, Mars, L'Oreal contribute who gave us insight into some of the challenges and and opportunities as they see it. But we started to ask ourselves, you know, questions around, um, and we thought it'd be interesting to understand the answers to these questions of what jobs and workplaces of tomorrow will be like, when, where, how we work. Um, 
I really thought, you know, if we can kind of start capturing some of the detail around this, um, these answers are really going to kind of help us understand um, how business and technology are going to change over the coming years. Um, and, you know, from there, you know, we can start to think about, uh, you know, what we all need to be doing to be able to kind of prepare for that and be ready for yeah. the road ahead. Yeah, and, it, it's a, it, and it's a fascinating thing. And I think um, often I find talking to different organizations and different technology um, developers that, that there's a sort of assumption that the future already exists. And actually, you know, you can just sort of tell people about it. But one of the fascinating things, and I think, and you've sort of alluded to it in what you're saying, is that really the technology and the software almost kind of creates the future in work. So what guys like you design and develop then become the environments that people then work in. So it becomes a somewhat... Um, not quite a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it, it starts to create the architecture for where work's going. And I, I think it's really interesting to sort of think about, you know, you're trying to work out, well, where do you presumably put your attention? What's your roadmap? Um, so, so just for uh, people um, unfamiliar with the report, and I really recommend everybody downloads the report. And if you go to unilee.com and do that, you'll find Future of the Workplace 2030, and you can uh, look at the findings. But what, what are the key findings from the, from the report, Joe? Well, I, I guess, you know, what we looked at is, you know, how we could break the report down and look at the framework of sort of emotion, physical, technological, and sort of purpose, and what does that look like in today and tomorrow's workplace? And that starts to really build a future, like sort of future vision for work, um, I think for me, I'm probably the least technical in the team, but I've got experience of big business. And, you know, for me, it's about, you know, when we talk to, we talk about Generation Z and we talk about Generation X and what they want from life. And I think it's, you know, you talk about technology and how that maps the future, but I think it's also about the evolution of people and what they want. I think, you know, I'm early 50s now and I grew up on the understanding that what I need to do is get a job and get a career and pay a mortgage, and that was me succeeding in life. And I think the younger generation today, it's about being happy and about being heard and about feeling that they have an impact and an influence on change. So I think whilst, as you said, whilst the digital workplace and technology helps map the future, I think what it actually does is facilitate change and I think that's, you know, the rapid pace of facilitating change is what is different today. Whereas, you know, before we had real technology, it used to take time. So I think from our report, when we were looking at the, the physical workplace, you know, how technology impacts that, you know, the emotional workplace, I found that really interesting that the new generation coming through today will be doing jobs that don't even exist today. And that the technology is not there to map the future, but is there to facilitate the future and to enable them to do what they need to do. Mm. And, and Sam, did you enjoy going through this process and did you find it sort of stimulating to sort of think ahead like this? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was nice to kind of... Um, come out of the dark room. Yeah, <laughs> come out of the cupboard, as they say. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, take a step back and actually, you know, spend some time carrying out some some longer term research for sure, you know, and there was some, there was some really interesting findings too. Um, as Joe mentioned, you know, we kind of, 
we try to capture our findings and align these findings within kind of four four dimensions, which I think um, you know bear some similarities as well as differences to kind of some of the research that that you've carried out in, in previous years as well, Paul. Um, but you know, um, it was really interesting to frame frame some of the thinking and uh, as I say, work with some of our key partners to kind of. Um, think about um, what the future beholds for, for us uh, moving so, forward. So, so what are some of those um, interesting findings? What 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 kind of stayed with you? Um, so, I think one of the things that you know, obviously, as, as Joe's kind of alluded to, I'm 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 a tech guy. You know, I'm you know responsible for for the technology and the direction we take with with the tech um, at Unily, and and you know the application that we build and and deliver, but. For me personally, um, really gaining an appreciation for other aspects of the workplace in the future was um, particularly interesting. Um, something kind of that sort of really resonated with me was that um, there was an interesting stat that we um, that we derived, which was that companies globally are pouring roughly, uh, I think it was about one trillion dollars, yeah. one trillion dollars yearly into innovation. Um, and, you know, um, there's a lot of initiatives that are in play and it's really hard to, to measure some of the, the fruits of the effort that go into um, a lot of that spend um, today. You know, just speaking to kind of the organizations that we that we partner with and work really, really closely with. But actually, you know, tapping into the genius of your own workforce can yeah. reveal some of the, the brightest ideas. And, and actually, you know, pl- providing a platform a framework allowing your organization to have that dialogue take place and make people feel comfortable in suggesting their ideas and solutions. Um, It really feels like, you know, the future of the digital workplace can enable that change and allow for knowledge sharing across the business and empowering people to to really do what they're they're best at. And so for me, that, you know, kind of non-tech, kind of direct mm-hmm. um, aspect um, of, you know, what, what we can enable, but actually providing a platform that can bring the best down people was was um, something that, um, you know, yeah, felt felt really, really kind yeah, of positive moving forward. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's interesting because it, it reminds me, um, uh, one of the, I, I do these annual digital workplace predictions and, and this, I think it's the third prediction is, is some, it's sort of preceded as something like humans are winning that in, in the kind of projected future going back about five years, it was that technology was going to replace people. We were going to become part of a sort of useless class or a kind of leisure class or, or nobody knew it was that the machines would do everything. But actually what we're discovering is that, is that the role for human beings in this future that we're creating is, is absolutely central. And I think the point, you're referring to Sam really kind of picks up on that in fact looking at the the overall findings that you've got so you you've got the emotional workplace the physical workplace the technological workplace and the purposeful workplace and then job titles of the future which I want to come to later and and in the report that that we did we 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 had um space as a, we called it four dimensions, so space, which I suppose somewhat aligns to the idea of the physical workplace. Um, then we had capability and intelligence, which kind of somewhat aligns to technological. And then our fourth dimension, which was the one that probably intrigued me the most, and, and it, was, it was around beauty. 
And yeah, I'm, that, that, look... I'm not missed when Sam and I read that. We were intrigued about that one. So I'd, it'd be good to understand from you what you understand the meaning of that to be. Well, I, I think it's beauty in the digital workplace for me is all about getting into what I would call not just the superficiality of user experience and design thinking, but almost like the, the, the entire experience of using that system. And one of the things that's coming up is, that, is this idea of, you, of the ethical workplace and, and creating ethical environments. So if you think about it, um, technology can surveil people in work in ways that are unprecedented. Now, whether the organization that you join does that or doesn't do that. So if you take somebody like Adobe, they can do that for their staff, but they choose not to. So that to me gets into this I meant dimension of ethics. Um, and I think this idea of beauty, is, uh, it gets into your idea, I think, of the purposeful workplace and the emotional workplace. Um, and maybe you could just describe say something a little bit about those two um, dimensions, because I suppose for people listening, the physical workplace and the technological workplace are more perhaps what what people might expect, but the emotional workplace, purposeful workplace, that they feel quite different. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, I think kind of Joe maybe touched on, um, you know, the, the purposeful workplace in an earlier point, and really that was kind of thinking about, you know, if you fast forward, uh, you know, 10 years plus from now, by 2030, you know, you think Gen Z, and really, you know, they are going to form and the majority of our workforce, and they are going to want to see that leaders are invested in causes that really matter to them. Yeah. You know, it's going to be really, really important for them to see that, you know, ethical considerations that are important to them are um, important to the companies they work for. Um, yeah, and I, I think in terms of those, those sort of key functions are now about driving purpose and inspiring employees and keeping strategy agile rather than it being about, you know, a sort of hierarchy of needs. It, it's about real needs these days and real understanding and real efficacy in terms of, you know, understanding and meaning. Yeah, I mean, if you take the, um, to the other point you mentioned, Paul, around the emotional workplace, um, and we're seeing this, you know, this isn't something that, you know, we're talking 10 years from now, I'm sure you can appreciate mm-hmm. this is something that's, that's a kind of, you know, a real sort of hot topic, yeah. hot issue for, for organizations today. But it's, you know, it's going to become a lot more kind of, um, you know, uh, as part of everything we do moving forwards from this point forward. And that's really around playing as an organization a greater role in the physical and mental well-being of employees in the workplace some of the conversations we have around um, the way that, you know, digital workplaces can can aid an organization on this specific point is actually around um, enabling and implementing an employee health index to really be able to monitor the health and happiness of staff. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of a, a crucial part of the way that leaders can create successful teams mm. and actually, like, measure the... Um, the performance of successful teams. Um, and I, and I think that's an iteration of culture. You know, we've been talking about culture in organisations for many years now. And, you know, I know at Unilever, if we could bottle, bottle the culture we have, we'd make a fortune because it, it really is everything that we aspire 
to be. And I've worked some big corporates that could, if they had the culture that we have at Unilever, they'd be over the moon. But it's really that next iteration of culture and how top leadership start to prioritise what they do as a business and allow people to develop from the sort of bottom up, looking at that consistent vision and behaviours um, in terms of how they communicate and collaborate and how we all work together. I think so, you know, just adding to what Sam said, it's, it's about, you know, how you emotionally feel at work and how you feel as being part of that workforce. Yeah, I guess a nice way yeah. to sum it up, something that we talk about, you know, unionly is like it's about the why, not the yeah. what. Yeah. You know, people are asking, why do we go to work? Um, mm. You know, if, I think it comes down to the fact that if, you know, companies can demonstrate that they, they care about the same things as their employees, that their employees will, will want to want to thrive in that organization one of the things that um we were thinking about and using the report for was sort of asking organizations to what extent are you 2030 ready and um if you're in one of the organizations reading it maybe one of the ones you've surveyed in the in the report or somebody else how would you like somebody to use your report so if you've got these four different types of workplace what would you like people to be doing or thinking about if they're as they're planning out their future workplace i think i think it's really about um it's it's almost like a um a thought leadership piece so you know we don't have all the answers at unily and we are very good at facilitating the needs especially of enterprise businesses to help them you know, bring their bring their colleagues um, together so that they can collaborate and engage and communicate. But I think, in terms of the report for us, it just made us think. I think it just gives you an opportunity to sit down and think about what does tomorrow look like, and what do you need to do today in terms of getting to where you want to be tomorrow, and what's that plan? Because, you know, what we talk about is some very big sort of blue sky pieces. And, you know, I've worked for big corporates that would still be happy to try and work out how you deal with agile working. You know, there are, I think when you're a smaller business, um, it's much easier to affect change and do it responsibly and bring your team along with you. I think when you're a multinational bank or a large FTSE 100 company, it's much harder to change that culture and also to change the structure of the business. You know, the CEO still wants to see people at their desks at five o'clock on a Friday. And if they're not, they want to know where they are. So I think, you know, for us, the, 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 the future of the workplace is really about just initiating some thought. Um, especially for those FTSE 100 companies to think about, you know, where are we now? Where do we want to be? How do we get there? How long does that take us and what does that look like? And what do we need to be able to affect that change? Mm. Yeah, and it, it's it's really interesting. And I would, you know, encourage, it's sort of encouraging to read your report, to to compare it with the one we did. And actually, it's 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 great to know that the, the future workplace involves things like, emotion purpose beauty um because i think if that's the kind of workplace that you and others in your sector if you like are designing and that that we from a sort of research kind of benchmarking point of view are are thinking about that's the kind of world of work that's hopefully going to be optimized which is great um just kind of interesting i don't know if you had this feeling while you were doing your report but occasionally when you're kind of looking into the future you kind of go am i going mad 
um, is, is, you know, when we started talking about the idea of, a, of beauty as a dimension, and maybe you had it when you were thinking about the, the emotional workplace, did you have any kind of moments of, oh my God, are people going to kind of take this seriously? Do you know what I thought? And I, I don't have children, but just looking at my niece and nephew who are 8 and 11, and I was talking to them about work, and they just see it totally differently. You know, they think about their life. They don't think about, you know, when we were at school, people said, what do you want to be? And you wanted to be a fireman or a banker or a dentist. You know, when Mm. I speak to kids around me and people that are younger than me, and I say, what do you want to be? They switch to the, what do I want to learn? And where do I want to learn it? And how can I give back to whether it be the community or, you know, how can I deal with climate change or how can I have a really positive impact on things? So I think, you know, the world of work is just changing. You know, we grew up thinking that work was the be-all and end-all, and now you realise life is. So work fits into life rather than life having to fit around work. So I mm. think for that next generation coming through, that makes total sense. I think the big issues will be going forward is how you turn those big, you know, sort of monolithic companies, those big dinosaurs, as it were, that's done the same thing for 10, 20, 30, 50 years, how you turn those around so they're much more agile in today's workplace. I think coming full circle to kind of the initial sort of question you asked a moment ago, Paul, was around like, you know, it's exactly as Joe's just said there, it's about, um, you know, workplace recognising the need to understand the future drivers in order to uh, anticipate tomorrow's need. You um, You know, as Joe mentioned, you know, the the next generation workforce are going to be influential and, you know, defining their behavior and what they expect from the workplace and searching for the meaning that they expect um, is crucial, really. You know, one of the findings we had from the report was around the fact that, you know, it's likely that the next generation workforce um, are going to favor meaningful work over higher pay and give their loyalty to where their values are reflected. And I think that's kind of a crucial distinction to appreciate um, as we move forward and as we prepare ourselves for, for yeah. the future. And, and there's an awful lot of evidence from lots of different places about that, and I, I think that's going to increase. But um, So tell me, um, we've talked about things that we think will be different in the workplace 2030. What, what do you think won't, maybe not won't change, but won't change that much or will still be, you know, uh, you know, uh, which things are going to evolve less, if you like? I think I think you'll still need some sort of paradigm in terms of structure. So you'll still you'll, you'll still need campers and climbers. You'll still need, you know, people that are visionaries that can see tomorrow and lead a team to get there. And you'll still need, which will be your climbers. And you'll still need your campers, the people that are happy to be told what to do and where to get to and you know, need things to happen. So I think, you know, we shouldn't assume that with the future of the workplace that everybody comes becomes an entrepreneur overnight and, you know, deals with their own sort of, you know, their own drivers for success. I think there will still be that need to have different people doing different things. I just think what they will be doing will be different. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, Joe, Joe, you mentioned there, campers and climbers. I think the other thing there is, like, Something we haven't really touched on is is campus and physical, you know, workplace. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I think we'll see an evolution in in the physical workplace, but I still 
still need the mothership. Yeah, still firmly believe that um, that that physicality is is going to be you know really really important and and provide a significant level of value to to an organisation in terms of being able to engage its employees um, to really engage the culture to collaborate and engage the entire workforce, you know, regardless of their role and regardless of their location. But I, guess, I guess the purpose of what we call today the head office changes. Because absolutely. Whereas today you're told to go to head office and you're expected to be at your desk in the office, in the future what will happen is it's a place that you'll want to go to because that's where you'll have an ideas exchange, that's where you'll get, you know, sort of emotional um, sort of collaboration where you'll want to go to. So you'll say, look, I want to go into London on Monday to see my colleagues because I really want to try and, you know, get a resolution to this problem I'm trying to deal with rather than it being dictated to you. So I think, you know, the mm. physical workplace will still play a role, but I think it's purposeful change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, offices have, have traditionally been practical spaces, you know, a company provides you with the tools, the... Um, you know, whatever it is you need to be able to do your job effectively. Um, in recent years, with the rise of, you know, Google, Amazon, working ways, we've, you know, we've turned the playful office and, you know, we've seen kind of evolution um, pioneered by some of these innovative tech companies. But um, I think, as Joe's just kind of pointed out, what we'll see next is that office becoming a physical representation of an organization's values. Um, mm. I think most people will be able to work and do what they do day to day um, away from their office, um, but the office will be the place where people can come together, um, where there's more of a focus on that human interaction, that team interaction. Um, it may be that you know employees only come to that that place once or twice a year to meet and collaborate with each other, but um, as you know, as again, as as we kind of said, coming back to that mothership. And to ground us. I, I think it's interesting that both of our, I and mean, what's great is by having two reports like this, is we can sort of do a compare and contrast. And I think w- what I'm picking up as we, we go through this more is, is the similarity of, of themes. And, you know, we talked about this dimension of space, which was the idea that space would, would, would change and evolve both the inside an organization and the outside would come become part of one larger more integrated system which is if you like a kind of digital um, integration but also that space both digital and physical would would change but i think i think you're absolutely right i think there will be places physical places where work happens and what we all do is continue to see them evolve. And, you know, in DWG, we used to have an office in London and New York, closed them down six years ago. Now we have no offices. But once a month in, in London and New York, we the, the teams meet up. So this week, um, I came in for the team day that we had in London. And I kind of came away and I thought, well, I didn't really do anything all day but I had a fantastic day and it's just that chance to almost uh, you know we were chatting about really kind of silly things and nothing to do with work and then some work things but it's just that it's building that bond of kind of chemistry right those are the days that you probably value um you know as, as yeah. kind of some of the most yeah, important you know working with well, I mean we do that as a senior leadership team so Will Savile and Rich Patterson that own the business they're really keen that we go out for drinks and it's, mm. it's pretty random in terms of when we go. 
but I honestly can say that we come up with the best ideas. We sort through, you know, problems mm. to find solutions and everybody gets on with it and everyone knows their place within those conversations. There's no undiscussables. Everything's sort of thrown on the table. And what's really great, you know, again, coming from a corporate background is to see this happen just, you know, just basically, you know, with our initiative. So it's not forced upon us. It's not let's have an away day and work out what we do as a business. It's let's have a few beers and before you know it, you know, we're talking about the next features and set of functionality that we're going to do. We're talking sure. about customers success and how we improve that you know we're talking about how our teams work and some great people in the team that we think should be doing other things where they'll have even more success and then everyone goes away and gets on with it so there's no you know there's no write-up afterwards there's no big strategy plan it's just initiative and we just get on with it and I, I find that really refreshing yeah, absolutely. And I love this idea, the values office, I think you, you called it, Sam, and going into a, an environment. And I think it's really interesting to see the development of what we'd call third places, um, increasing numbers of clubs that have co-working and di different places for people to kind of mingle. And, you know, I've got three daughters all in their 20s. Uh, and they all have what you might call portfolio work. And they work from different, different places and, you know, part of different kind of clubs and so on and 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 definitely it's about learning meaning interaction um and you know i really enjoyed the day i had this week with my colleagues but i don't know if i'd want to do it every single day um you know it might get a little bit less special um one of the things that really uh, you did in your report that i wish we'd done um and that is job titles from the future so this was really great. So you've got them listed under the emotional workplace, under the different headings. So you've got emotional workplace, the head of Hoopla. The head of Hoopla's job is to create the environment where energy is generated. It could be internal energy. It could be external energy. Energy connects people. And then I love this, the new diversity officer who scrutinizes organizational diversity to optimize uh, capacity and avoid groupthink considers neurodiversity in addition to ethnicity, gender, and age. This is great. I that people learn in different ways. Um, you must have had a lot of fun coming up with these new titles. Which 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 ones did you most like? Yeah, so we had um, we had some great fun coming up with these. Um, <laughs> I actually uh, I came up with, <laughs> as you probably expect, some really of the ones. yeah. <laughs> The, um, the technological-related uh, uh, titles. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there was a number that did, didn't make the final cut, which um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not bitter about at all. But um, <laughs> you know, the idea of, uh, you know, the ideas broker, um, for me, mm -hmm. that was, uh, you know, something that, you know, again, I think we're actually, you know, we're not going to be waiting that long for this sort of role. We, you know, at Unily have something very, very similar to that today within the product team that we have. Um, you know, some people are just fantastic at understanding um, and thinking about the kind of type of innovation that, that we need to be able to deliver and build upon to be able to, you know, remain competitive and, and take the product forward. Um, so, yeah, that, that one to me was just, just really pertinent because it kind of resonated with one of the key themes in the report too, which was about you know, something we haven't really touched on uh, massively in this chat, but, um, you know, the whole concept of the ideas economy itself and, you know, actually rewarding people based on the ideas they generate rather than 
the hours they put in to their working day. And that's definitely kind of the mantra, mm. the culture that we have in place at Unly. And we're seeing that more and more with the organizations that we work with, even at an enterprise scale. Mm. So, yeah, that was kind of and one I, of my favorites. I think favorites. Um, Will Savile, one of our um, founders and owners, loved Ideas Broker. He often says, you know, I'd rather just meet someone once and then come up with a really powerful idea that we can initiate, develop, and deliver than see someone sitting at a desk every day and wonder what they're doing. Exactly. And I guess for me, it was, um, as you can probably tell, professional rebel was definitely my, <laughs> my, my shout. You know, just having someone that's a bit of a corporate agent provocateur, you know, and, mm. and look, challenge the status quo without, without being um, judged. I think that's really, mm. really important. And again, you know, when you look at big corporations, they're, they're almost sort of suffocated um, you know, we hire in big corporations, you hire great people and great talent and then you suffocate them, put them in a box with mm. a picket fence around them and tell them they shall only do what's in their job description. So, you know, working at Unity, that's been a real sort of um, opportunity to flourish and be a real rebel, but professional rebel and, and, and um, seen as being mm. very positive within the team. That's great. And I also love the, uh, how could I not, the vice president of no, the only person within an organization allowed to say no to a new project. Everyone else is allowed to say yes, but if you need no, you need to go to the VP of no. Yeah. And it's not, and it's, it's not it's just the CEO, which it normally is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's sort of. I've got kind of visions of some sort of Monty Python sketch where you open the door and just say whatever you've got to say, and the person just says the answer is no. The computer says no. Um, but if you that, think that, about it, you know, five, ten years ago, everyone was talking about the Mandarin Oriental Group. I think it was, and how you know the customer's always right, and the answer to every customer query is yes, and then you deal with it and work out how you do that. And this is actually saying, you know, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say that's not good and this is why. But then you need yeah. to understand, you know, why you're saying no and what the options yeah. to say yes are. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so a so, uh, couple of other questions. Um, what have we both missed that we, that, that, that we should have kind of, in hindsight, thought about? Is there anything that you feel that, I, both reports really haven't kind of picked up on. And, and, and I'll kind of kick it off by answering my own question, which is I wonder whether I feel that the whole climate emergency and what I will call the localization of living has not been kind of picked up. And I, I'm thinking if, if we were sort of doing another iteration of the report, I'd be wondering about what the deeper impact of those things are. Is there anything that you feel that, that we're kind of just not seeing here? I, th I think for me, having done the report, and as we said, it's a real sort of thought provoker in terms of what to does tomorrow look like? And what I'd like to do now is really delve into the how, because I think we talk about where we are today, we map out where we want to be tomorrow, but the difficulty for most organisations is how you get from one place to another. Because mm. people tend to keep doing what they've always done. And if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And I think that's, mm. that's something that we as you know, facilitators of change, both in terms of what you guys do as consultants and what we do as platform providers and collaborators, is the real how do you do this? You know, how do you move a company that has over 100,000 employees from doing what they currently do today okay to what you want them to do in the future. And that's something I'd like to, 
really sort of to investigate more as, as we grow as a business. Mm. And Sam, anything that you feel in, in hindsight or just kind of occurring to you today that, that is a kind of something that should be part of this next 10 years that, that, that we haven't got in that will surprise us? Yeah, I think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a, a number of unknowns. Um, I think, I think as I, I completely agree with Joe, like it's, it's the how. Um, I think we've done a great job in, in both of our reports in, in talking about where, you know, we expect to get there. But if you kind of, I mean, if you rewind from today back 10, 12 years, and this is something that you, I think, touched on in your report, and it was, at the, you know, you, you kind of, you, uh, you mentioned at the point of, uh, you know, founding the Digital Workplace Group, it, it wasn't long after, you know, the... Um, inception of the likes of Twitter and and shortly afterwards Instagram and um, you know if we could have (laughs) predicted how those platforms would have evolved in the future you know we would have all been um, I guess doing very very different things today but um, you know it's um, it's how it's the journey that we'll all take in terms of like from where we are now and and where we and where we anticipate and where we expect to be but that kind of you know that trajectory that we take to get there is is going to be an interesting one for sure. Mm. Great. So um, one question I love to uh, end each of the podcasts with is, is just to ask uh, my guests, what's a perfect working day for you? So Joe, so if you, when, when you've had a great day, when you've had a day that would be the real perfect working day, what, what's, what's that had in it? Well, aside from red wine, um, <laughs> I, I, I think it's just a day where I get things done. Um, I think, you know, we talk a lot about what we want to do. We think a lot about what we want to do. I think for me, um, in recent years, it's less about where I've got to go to and looking at a tick list. It's more about what I want to achieve. Um, so at the end of the day, I guess my, you know, has today been successful is if I can, if I can sort of tick the box and say, yeah, I got stuff done today whatever that is, wherever it is and whoever it's with, that you actually feel like you're making a contribution that you've actually made some sort of change. And I think Mm. for me that comes from being in a corporate world for a long time where sometimes I used to just go home and think, like, what have I actually achieved today? You know, yeah, I've been to seven meetings and, yes, I've written three reports and, yeah, I've done a couple of appraisals, but how have I really made a difference? So, um, yeah, red wine aside, it's... For me, it's about, you know, what did I do today? What did I get done? That's great. Yeah. And Sam? Yeah, so I think um completely agree with Joe. I think um, for me, you know, Joe and I both have um, really, really great teams, um, mm-hmm. you know, teams with a, a breadth of responsibility at Unily. And, you know, the best parts of my day are where I get, you know, real quality time with, with leaders of, of different kind of areas within you know within my part of the organization and just um having the opportunity to um help identify that you know that that real golden nuggets you know just spotting something that that maybe you know somebody hasn't appreciated the significance of but just kind of you know helping with a very very gentle nudge um directing somebody you know in the in the kind of the right direction to help kind of um you know appreciate the significance of of something they may have uncovered or untouched and and helping kind mm. of transforming that into 
in something really really special um mm. you know that's that's kind of the most rewarding thing for me and um i'd like to say it's a typical day it's, it's not every day there's obviously um a lot of a lot of businesses usual activity um which is slightly more mundane but um those are the days that i you know certainly live for and uh you know, get the most out of, and uh, are certainly kind of deemed as the most valuable to me. I think one, you know, one of the things Seth Godin said when he contributed to our report, he said the mistake that is made all the time is that we measure things that are easy to measure rather than things that are important to measure. And I think mm-hmm. if you've had a successful day, you're able to measure things that are important that you've had a contribution to. Mm. Yeah, and and one thing that kind of struck me. Um, I was, I can't remember if it was a quote from David Hockney or David Bowie, um, might have been somebody involved in football, I can't remember, but they, they basically said work is a privilege, we should be grateful that we get to work in something that we enjoy. And, and if you do, you should feel grateful for that and appreciative of it. And, and clearly both of you do. And, um, it's been fantastic to have both of you on the show today and, um, all of the uh, information about you and about Unily and about the report will be in the show notes. And, and thank you so much for the conversation. Well, thank you for having us, Paul. Great to chat. And Paul, it's an absolute pleasure. And if anyone's got any thoughts, you know, when you do air this, if there's any questions or any insight that people would like to discuss, we'd be more than happy to follow that up with you and your listeners too. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash dwg underscore podcast this is paul miller wishing you well until next time